Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello everyone, I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon Podcast, Episode 11! Holy cow, we're at the end of Season 1, folks. Can you believe we made it this far? Sometimes it's hard for me to believe it, but we did it. I know at the end of each podcast, I start on the next week's podcast, and I have to tell you, for the first three or four days, it seems like a big train wreck. I think, how am I ever going to get to Friday to post, you know, to post these episodes and make them all make sense? But the Lord helps me a lot, and it somehow it's worked, so I appreciate your support. You know that I've mentioned a few times that I love to watch and be involved in most sports, But like many others, I played sports in high school and college, mostly softball and basketball. But alas, as much as I love them, those days are long gone. These past years, as you know, I've taken to cycling. And believe me, the needs have thanked me many times for that decision. Although the sport of cycling is very different than the other sports I mentioned earlier, there are many similarities. No matter what sport you love, in one way or another, all probably share three similar values. I have found that individual strength, teamwork, and a wise coach to be a uniting trifecta for success. I've shared some of what I've learned here with you as I've written out the Book of Mormon. So today, I will attempt to compare similar discoveries I've made while riding my bike. To be clear, there are some lessons I'd rather learn through watching others, but also I know that when I have felt firsthand what it is I'm being taught, it seems to stick with me better. So, having said that, let's get on with it. I think that's why I love Alma's question to his son Helaman just before he shares his personal conversion story. Remember he says, Do ye not suppose that I know of these things myself? I love how he poses that question. He wants to be sure his son knows without a doubt He hasn't been talked into anything or fooled into thinking a certain way. He wants to be clear he knows what he knows because he has experienced it in a personal way and has felt God's love in his life. Why is it so important to know something for yourself? Well, we know there's lots of ways to learn something, right? For example, when I first started riding my bike, I bought books, I read magazines and articles, and searched websites about cycling. I learned about many different parts of the sport, such like uh, training and fitness, stretching, nutrition, mental tools, and safety. Understanding about these subjects have helped my knowledge grow. Another way I've learned is to talk to other cyclists. They have shared their experiences and have given me insights about riding I would not have known had I not talked to them. I've learned a lot from all these amazing resources. But by far, the best source of information I have discovered is this. Nothing helps me become a better cyclist than getting on the bike 
and turning those petals myself. What does it look like to know something for yourself? Let's think back over the last few months on subjects we've talked about during these podcasts. Remember back in episode one how we compared Alma's lesson on faith to Soraya's experiencing developing her faith. We saw how she chose to exercise her faith throughout her journey despite not knowing all the answers. It wasn't until she had a personal witness when her sons returned from acquiring their blast plates that she exclaimed, Now I know. Personal witnesses are what help us know for ourselves. In episode 5, it was fun to dissect the Psalm of Nephi. Dissecting dialogues gave me a clearer understanding of the messages that were given. After slowing down and picking apart what Nephi was lamenting about, I could relate better to his feelings. I took his message to heart. Now, when I feel frustrated and defeated by my own glaring weaknesses, I've learned the importance of seeing beyond them and remind myself there are reasons to rejoice. We can find the good even when we're surrounded by bad. In addition, in Episode 7, Alma describes some trials and challenges in life may seem like and feel like shafts in the whirlwinds. Episode 8 found Aminadab imprisoned in the darkness. Remembering actions that brought prisoners out of darkness shows me what I can do to see light when all seems grim. Remember what Aminadab did? He turned to those that had a light and remembered the truths of the gospel he'd been taught. Taking messages from the prophets to heart and changing behavior are actions I can take if I want to know for myself. May I point out, in those same chapters, we are promised something I depend on. We are promised we will not be left in the gulf of misery forever if we keep our eyes on Christ. The trials will end and we will be delivered. The act of remembering promises is a force that can ease our circumstances. Remembering God's promises can encourage us to hang on to our faith until we are given the answers we seek. Remembering God's hand in my life is another way I can know for myself. How about Putt-Putt and the book about the big road race? Remember that? Could Brother Bear keep his eyes on the road ahead and not being distracted by the craziness going on around him? Be like standing firm, staying steadfast, and enduring to the end? When I have courage to stand firm, stay steadfast, and endure to the end, I know for myself that the battle is worth it. You can expand your understanding about the gospel of Jesus Christ by reading books, church magazines, and frequently the church website. All these are ways you gain valuable knowledge. But until you live what you're learning, your heart will not change. Your desires will still the same, and you will not improve your life in the places it matters most. Living what you learn is how you know for yourself. Living what you learn brings individual strength. Next is the important value of teamwork. Riding in a pace line is teamwork at its finest. Maybe you've seen this and wondered why cyclists ride in a line like that. Well, I gotta tell you, it's for a greater purpose than just staying out of the way of the cars on the road. Riding like this, especially on long open roads, helps create a more energy-efficient ride. Each person follows the rider in front of them by staying within a few inches to a few feet of their leader's rear wheel. The leader rider in front is bearing most of the hard work, or what is referred to as pulling. These teammates behind him are benefiting because that leader is creating a type of shield for them. In fact, If you're behind another rider in the pace line, 
you can save upwards of 30% of your energy compared to the rider in front. Because riding like this creates a draft for all those who are behind the lead rider, it's a definite advantage to not be in front. Paceline riding gets the team down the road more efficiently and allows your teammates a chance to rest in the draft created. Have you ever ridden in a pace line? It's pretty fun! In case you're curious, I'll give you an up-close and personal description of what it's like. It's been my experience, a good number to have in a pace line is anywhere from 8 to 10 riders. You can have more or less that number, but I found that this is a good amount. If you're the lead rider, don't despair. The lead rider only stays in front for a short while. When the lead rider's time is up, he gives a signal, which we call the chicken wing, to the rider behind him, who then says something to effect of, got it, acknowledging he has seen the signal. Then he yells out, rider coming back. That message is relayed back down the pace line from rider to rider. Relaying the message to everyone in the pace line is important because this alerts them that the rotating has begun. The lead rider then moves off to the side of the pace line and lets the rest of the team pass him. When the last rider passes, as a courtesy, he lets the former lead rider know he is the last in the pace line by announcing, Last rider! Hearing that, he slides in behind as the new last cyclist in the pace line and yells, Rider on! This announcement is relayed up the line by each rider to the rider in front of him. When the new lead rider gets the message, he waves his hand above his head as a signal to acknowledge the message was received. He can now slowly increase the pace and all can continue down the road together, leaving no one behind. I especially see the value of riding in a pace line when I participated in double century rides. A double century team is just that. It's a group of cyclists that get together and become a team. Their goal is to ride together 200 miles in the same day. There are many double century rides to choose from, but the ride I've participated most in for many years is held in the Malibu area of California. I love the motto, dividing the task multiplies the success. It seems to fit perfectly with what we do on the double team. When a task is divided between all those that are participating, each person carries an equal load. When each person does their fair share, everyone can enjoy reaching the goal and celebrating success. Dividing the task and multiplying the success reminds me of how many times in the Book of Mormon people come together to make a big task easier to accomplish. Remember when I shared my favorite part of Helaman leading the young warriors? Remember that they were on their way to the battle, but stopped at the city of Judea? How they found that the people of that city were exhausted because they had been tirelessly working night and day, assuring the people in the city were kept safe. It sounds like the people of Judea were pulling too long on the front in a bad headwind. They needed relief. The arrival of the young warriors brought that relief. It was as though the young warriors took the lead and let the others rotate to the back so that they could be shielded and rest a bit in the draft. Good teamwork is a must if we all are to make it to the end successfully. The third value is having a wise coach. A wise coach is a person you know is always looking out for your best interest. 
A wise coach is someone experienced and you trust to steer you always in the right direction. Daryl was our double team coach for most of the eight rides I participated in. Coach Daryl has been a certified cycling coach for over 30 years. He has completed more than 100 century rides, 30 double century rides, and has been heavily involved in all aspects of road cycling training throughout those years. He is the one to thank for most everything I know about long-distance riding. Daryl was a well-prepared coach. His first goal, and only goal, was to bring each team member through the 200-mile ride safely and successfully. He knew the strengths and weaknesses of each team member and saw the potential in everyone. He mapped out training routes that would build skills we needed to be successful. He provided an incredibly detailed success manual. It held pages of tried and tested advice, methods, and routines that would ensure success to complete the double century. One example from the manual is, if we were to complete 200 miles in a reasonable time, we needed to limit our breaks at the SAGs to 10 minutes. You might be wondering what a SAG is. S-A-G-S. That stands for Support and Gear Stop. We love to think of it better as snacks and goodies. (laughs) In order to get everything accomplished in that time limit, we needed to work together. One thing we did was to help fill fellow teammates' water bottles while they attended to their bikes, made a clothing change, or used the bathroom. Daryl also taught us to watch for possible problems that could get in the way of our success. First thing I thought of was watching and calling out debris, cracks in the pavement or potholes in the road. That could cause a flat or accident, bringing damage to the bike, yourself, or your fellow teammates. However, the advice he gave wasn't something I'd considered before. He shared an observation from the past team experience. He told us nearing the end of the ride, after spending long hours on the bike, you can get grouchy and easily irritated. His advice was to stay positive and avoid negativity. He told us that negativity brought the team down and wasn't helpful to morale. No doubt you knew Daryl was always looking out for your best interest. You know when you were on his team, he was trusted to steer you in the right direction. Now, the obvious question. Can there be a better coach in our lives than Heavenly Father? Didn't he make it perfectly clear his work and glory is only to bring to pass the eternal life and immortality of man? He has provided us all with what we need to be successful. He knows each of us individually and is keenly aware of our strengths and our weaknesses and potential. He doesn't expect us to ride out life alone. Our church life is kind of like a pace line, wouldn't you say? We all take turns leading and pulling through the harder parts of the course while the other teammates benefit from their leadership, all the while doing our part while resting a bit before it's our turn to lead. Our Heavenly Father, or Heavenly Coach, has provided wonderfully detailed success manuals such as the Holy Bible, Book of Mormon, and Church magazines. All these are written and put together by inspired, experienced leaders we can trust to always steer us in the right direction. These manuals emphasize the importance of teamwork and highlight problems we could encounter that could be a deterrent from enjoying success. He has given sage advice to stay positive, even if we may be feeling grouchy because the road has been long. He, too, has mapped out a sure way to follow that will give us all we need to finish the course successfully. 
Not a surprise that God seems to teach me best when He teaches through something I am currently involved in, or something from the past I have had personal experience with. Developing individual strength, seeing the great value in teamwork, and having a wise coach go way beyond cycling for me. Because of all I've read, talked about, and tried to live, for me, I have found these three elements are important keys to not only finding success, but more importantly, living a worthwhile, joyful life, of which I am deeply grateful. Until next time, it's not important you discover it first, it's more important to discover it for yourself. Slow pace, give space. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.